0: The date is Friday, February 5th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this episode, we're talking about two people, or maybe just one, depending on who you ask. We'll discuss the 1999 release of a film entitled Man on the Moon, which is a biopic starring Jim Carrey about the anti-humor comedian Andy Kaufman. But there aren't just two characters at play in the story. Instead, there's several nested inside one another. So enjoy! Enjoy!
1: Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite entertainment podcast. That's right, the podcast that encapsulates all things entertainment, as the intro always says. This is... Entertain This! Entertain This! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another month has crest and fallen much as the ever-rising sun... And as we set on the old and rise with the new, we find ourselves again in the entrusted hands of myself to Uh bring you a topic that is entertaining. And I hope to do that. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And who are you? Hi, my name's Alex. Uh, I've been a (laughs) long-time listener, first-time host. Uh, I sound a little nasally, I'm noticing now, so sorry about that. One of those things is (laughs) why.
0: A little bit,
2: a little
1: bit. Sorry, long-time I'm host, Michael. First tam- first-time listener.
0: Are you going to let us do it? And I'm Michael. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, do it,
1: sorry. <laughs>
2: I'm Nick.
0: And I'm Michael. I'm Nick, by the way. Hi, how's it going? Okay, there we go. We have identified ourselves.
1: We have identified ourselves. Uh, we are talking today, uh, this is a kind of Russian nesting doll of topics, so stick with me. As we travel along this uh, long, dusty road, I promise that the ending is worth it. I think there's a lesson that we can all learn uh, about the things that we're talking about today. So stick with me, because this is the time where Andy Kaufman took Hollywood by storm, turned it upside down, and basically destroyed it from the inside out. Not once,
0: but twice. Who is this man?
1: Andy Kaufman? That's a, yeah, who's Andy that's Kaufman? That's a great question. Are you guys at all familiar with even the name? Andrew so, I've heard Gregory the name. Kaufman? You've heard the name, Michael. Where have you heard it before?
2: Yeah, First, uh, I thought, so I don't know anything about him. I've heard the name, and my first thought was like, oh, that sounds like a serial killer.
1: <laughs> Andy Kaufman not only sounds like, but also looks like a serial killer. That is fact.
2: Oh, okay. So I'm on the right track. Great. Okay, cool.
1: Eh, the right track is give or take. What I'll say is, if you're familiar at all with his name, that makes sense. Because the last time that you guys handed me the reins to this podcast and let me do most of the talking for an hour, do you remember what I talked about? SNL? That's right. Saturday Night Live. And Andy okay. Kaufman was the first ever musical guest on Saturday Night Live on the very first episode. Mm.
0: The musical uh, guest? Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, which is interesting. Um, What does he play? We will definitely get into that. (laughs) But let's not skip ahead. We're skipping a lot of uh, very important details about Andy Kaufman. Um, And this isn't only going to be a story about Andy Kaufman. We're going to get into some other characters that play a role. We're going to talk about Andy Kaufman's journey, not only through his own life, but after his death. I guess it's uh, kind of a spoiler to tell you that Andy Kaufman did unfortunately pass away uh, on May 16th, 1984, but going into it with that knowledge, I think, kind of opens the door to the kind of message that I want to send with this podcast, and uh, I think the message that Andy would want to send, at least in some people's opinions. So at the beginning, there was, of course, birth. Andy Kaufman was born on January 17th, 1949, in New York. He was the oldest of three children. Um, He he grew up with his younger brother, Michael, and sister Carol in a middle-class Jewish family in Great Neck, Long Island. So we're seeing another person born and raised in New York. It seems like every famous person is. So us Cincinnati boys are really going to need to step it up if we want to get anywhere.
0: Well, I mean, it's probability. There's a lot of people in New York.
1: That's right. You're right. Not a whole lot of people in Cincinnati. so There's definitely a better chance of getting discovered if you're playing the clubs in New York, I would say. True debt. Um, his mother, Janice, was a homemaker and a uh, former fashion model, uh, which, you know, props to his father, Stanley Robert uh, Kaufman, for getting a fashion model. Uh, <laughs> but his father was a uh, jewelry salesman. And I guess why I mention the family life is because Andy Kaufman had kind of a troubled childhood. Uh, from the day that Andy Kaufman was born, it was seemed like he was born performing, uh, so much so that like when he was like four or five years old, his parents grew concerned when he wouldn't leave his room and spent the entire day performing fake shows, literally to the wall. Like he was talking to the wall and one day his father finally comes up and goes like, Andy, like you're, you're performing to no one. He's like, no, look, there's a giant audience right there. He's like, you're performing to plaster. Like there's nobody there. He said, you know what? You're not allowed to perform anymore unless it's to an audience. And Hmm. so at the age of nine, Andy Kaufman began performing at children's birthday parties Performing what, you might ask? Well, that's a good question, because... He was nine. He should
0: be in the birthday party. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, but instead, he decided that he wanted to be in front and performing.
0: Okay. So,
1: Hmm. at the age of nine, uh, Andy Kaufman began performing at these birthday parties, and like I was saying, uh, what he was performing is a great question, because uh, being that he was on Saturday Night Live, you may assume that he was a comedian, but actually... Andy Kaufman considered himself more an entertainer. Uh, He didn't consider what he was doing to be comedy. Hmm. In fact, in a lot of ways, he considered what he was doing to be uh, kind of an abstract form or an artistics interpretation of uh, the kind of performing arts that was seen booming within this time in, in American history. The kind of onstage act or vaudeville acts he was Kind of turning on it, their heads, if not making fun of them. Uh, so, for the birthday parties that he would perform, um, he would mostly just play records and show cartoons with his own little Andy Kaufman twists, like introductions and things like that. Nothing that was actually his work, but for a nine-year-old, just to kind of lead the charge like that is still pretty impressive. Okay. Um, he spent most of his youth writing poetry and stories. Uh, including an unpublished novel that he completed at the age of 16. And uh, following a visit uh, from a Nigerian musician, he began playing the congas. So those are all important facts. That's all stuff that we need to lay out on the table because a lot of it uh, will kind of explain where he goes next. Mm. So also performing uh, not only at nine-year-old birthday parties, um, And, of course, other ages. But he also performed to his younger siblings, uh, Michael and Carol, Uh, more importantly, teaching them because they were both younger kind of things that you would learn in school and singing like nursery rhymes and things like that. Um, For example, like the sounds of animals, like the cow goes moo and (laughs) the chicken goes like balk and things like that. He would write songs and sing them. While playing the drums with his younger siblings, uh, the surprising part of that fact is that that actually became his act when he became an adult. He would get up in, on stages in New York and he would sing "The Cow Goes Moo, The Chicken Goes Quack" at these like pretty prestigious comedic venues. I see that you're already laughing, Nick. So, so just as a character <laughs> <It's> study, bizarre. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. So. Imagine with me for a second the two of you you're sitting it's 1970 you're sitting in a comedy bar like comedian after comedian goes up they tell their jokes they're all funny and then suddenly this man in who's like dressed weird has his hair slicked back gets up on stage and starts singing the cow goes moo <laughs> the chicken goes cluck the duck wow, man. goes quack and like you were waiting in anticipation as something's going to happen that kind of turns this act around, what it's all leading to. And he just bows and gets off the stage. <laughs> and that's the end of it. He just leaves. And you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? This is like a 21-year-old up on stage doing this shit.
3: Like, Come oh, on, kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I feel a little shafted, honestly. If that happened, I'd be like, all right, where's my refund? You know, well, give me my money back. That wasn't funny at all.
1: That was Andy Kaufman's <laughs> style coming out of his youth. That was what he wanted to perform. He was uh, a pioneer in a certain genre of comedy. And, Nick, before we started the podcast, I told you that if there was anybody who I thought would really connect with Andy Kaufman, it would be you. Mm-hmm. Um, because Andy Kaufman started what was known as cringe humor.
0: <laughs> cringe? Yes, cringe humor. <laughs>
1: Which meant his comedy wasn't for laughs. It was for reactions. So he would get up on stage and sing The Cow Goes Moo. And everybody would be like, what the hell's going on? Some people would boo (laughs) and some people would leave. And the more boos he got and the more people he left, like that got up and left his show, the happier Andy Kaufman was. (laughs) He was like, this is great. Did you see that? They all left. (laughs) And that's who he wanted to be. He wanted to be this guy who would get up on stage and you would never get what you expected. If you expected a comedian to get up on stage and be like funny and tell jokes that were clever and made you laugh because of the words they were saying. And then Andy got up. When Andy got off, you would be left speechless because you had no <laughs> idea what he what he was doing. And that was his art to him. Yeah,
0: it was almost inevitable. Because if you look at like the time frame when all that was happening, like what happened in 1968? Woodstock you get like this whole counterculture movement where it's like yeah I'm supposed to get up there on the stage but why man why am I doing any of this man then you flip it on its head and you get this whole like surreal thing that's like neither funny nor really entertaining in the first place but Mm -hmm. in its own weird way it's it is entertainment
1: it's (laughs) hilarious and you can't look away
0: yeah it's like a train wreck It reminds
2: me a lot of like my daily goal just to annoy the absolute shit out of Jade. (laughs) And just figuring out like new ways to be able to do it. Imagine that,
1: but instead of Jade, replace that word with society. I want to annoy the shit out of society.
2: Yep. (laughs) Oh God, that
0: sounds like so much. Poking the bear, being like, hey, you want to eat me? (laughs) Exactly.
1: So at the same time, uh, in the kind of early 70s, uh, another child is kind of getting his uh, grips with what is and what isn't comedy. Um, after a fight that he watched of his father fighting with his grandfather and his grandfather saying the words, I'm sorry, you're just not worth anything to his father, a young Jim Carrey entered the room and with, mm. Mm, with a spot on impression of his grandfather went, Uh, I'm sorry, son, but you're just not worth anything. (laughs) And would do a spot-on impression of this old man that brought his father to laughing tears. (laughs) It was from that moment on that Jim Carrey's father realized, like, my son could be an entertainer and started working with him and working on his... uh, his interpretations and like his uh, uh, impersonations. impersonations. That's the one we're talking.
2: We're talking about Jim Carrey, not Drew Carey.
1: Jim Carrey, correct. Okay.
0: <laughs> not that one guy. On, okay, uh, not, not Drew Carey. Who's lying? No, we don't it. No, no. no, no. After Carrey. that, after that, he's on Price's oh, Right. He's now, on
1: Price's Right. So Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jim Carrey. Uh, by the time that he gets out of high school and, um. It starts, like, finding his way into the entertainment industry. He considers himself an expert in impersonations. That's what Jim Carrey marketed himself as. Yes. So he braves him the stages of uh, America because Jim Carrey, if you didn't know, was a born Canadian. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Carrey was actually, uh, I think he was born in Ontario, Canada. No, he was born in Toronto and then moved to Ontario. But, uh, yeah, so he kind of braves the stages of New York, as so many comedians are doing at the time, and uh, auditions for SNL,
4: mm-hmm.
1: which he's following in the footsteps, I I think at this point unknowingly, of Andy Kaufman, who himself had hmm. just auditioned for snl for its debut episode back in the 70s around mm-hmm. the same time when uh, jim carrey was just getting his footing into what comedy even was or how to make people laugh the weird thing was andy kaufman's audition all he did was read he read poetry he wasn't funny he didn't perform he mm-hmm. just read poetry and they were like what is this guy but at the time <laughs> Saturday Night Live was so like unfamiliar and wasn't a household name yet they were like, "We'll literally take anyone. You said that he can do like music, oh, he's a musician let's get him up there <laughs> let's have him do music uh, It was at the time that uh he was kind of developing a character that he called his foreign man. The foreign man was a uh version of Andy Kaufman, uh, think of it as if, if Andy Kaufman is a Russian nesting doll, right? This is the next layer of that Russian nesting doll. This foreign man.
5: Okay. And the foreign that talk like this, super high pitch and he talk in a way that you mm. really couldn't hear the thing he was saying.
1: And... <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, he would get up and he would do impressions as this foreign man character so snl goes all right andy kaufman you're our musical guest for the very first episode of snl and andy kaufman gets up on stage and he sets up a record player he's like i don't need a band puts a record player on stage opens it up he presses play
4: Hmm?
1: and the theme song for the mighty mouse cartoon starts playing And Andy Kaufman stands next to it, silent, confused, and looking terrified as Mighty Mouse plays. And it goes, here he comes to save the day. Or no, it goes like the Mighty Mouse theme. And then Mighty Mouse has a line where he goes, here I come to save the day. And as that plays, Andy Kaufman only lip syncs the Mighty Mouse lines, lip syncing it with full gestures, like out to the audience. And... This expression on his face is like, I am, like, this giant hero, and then immediately flushes back into his awkward character with giant eyes, like, scared and standing there. Uh, There are a couple of times during this performance where he misses his cues in the song, Mm -hmm. and he starts too early and then stops himself and then, like, kind of falls into himself just to spring right back into that Mighty Mouse character when the next line came.
0: Okay. It's Hmm.
1: hilarious. But Saturday Night Live is like, this is not what we signed up for. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Jeez. So the Foreign Man character um, and this kind of character that got Andy Kaufman started actually has a pretty dated history as well. Uh, The Foreign Man character was something that he was taking around to clubs. um, Kind of around the time before SNL started. And his act was second to none at the time because he took this uh, this foreign man character, and he did impressions with the foreign man character. So in a in a terrible uh, kind of interpretation of how he does it, the act would kind of go.
5: I am now going to do an an impression of. Uh... Uh, pre- president, uh,
1: I don't actually know the name that he said, but I'll say Bill Clinton.
5: President uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton?
1: And then he would turn around and turn back around and go,
5: Hello, I am Bill Clinton. <laughs> and then
1: he would go, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. And that was it. That was the impression. <laughs> and then he'd go,
5: I will now do an impression of Queen Elizabeth. Hello, I am Queen Elizabeth. Oh, thank you very much. And that was it. That was the Pretty impression.
1: <laughs> and then he would yeah. go,
5: I would now like to do for, for you an impersonation of um, Elvis Presley.
1: And then he would turn around, tear off the sides of his pants that were sequented, take off his shirt. Pull off his collar, which was a faux shirt underneath, to unveil a giant bedazzled jacket that he wore. He would pick up first a regular tooth comb, comb his hair back all the way as this record played that was just like the most epic presentation music that exists. Think like, uh, like. The, uh, you guys remember the Fox Studios logo where it was like, uh-huh. bah, 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 bah. it was that, but lasted for like three minutes as he like combed his hair back. <laughs> and then as it ended and the beat dropped on the, brrr, doof, he would turn with his lip quivered with a perfect Elvis Presley impersonation. The music would start playing, and Andy Kaufman singing would do a flawless flawless Elvis Presley impersonation to <laughs> the point where when asked, Elvis Presley said his favorite Elvis Presley impersonator was Andy Kaufman. Huh? Elvis Presley himself was like, he got it the most accurate. And Jeez. after finishing two of Elvis <laughs> Presley's songs, he would hit you once again with the foreign man voice and just go,
5: "Huh? Oh, thank you very much.
1: And then he would run off stage. <laughs> and it killed every night. To the so point a where misdirection, exactly, and that was his whole thing was he didn't want you to know what was coming next. He never wanted you to know what was coming next.
0: Wow, what so, a roller coaster!
1: At one of these shows where the foreman is performing, he meets his manager George Shapiro, and George Shapiro sees the Elvis impersonation thing and is like, "Oh, this dude is a genius," not knowing the kind of twisted way that Andy Kaufman (laughs) saw entertainment. He's going to troll him.
0: I'm waiting for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Almost endlessly throughout the career of George Shapiro, as he worked with Andy Kaufman, he was getting trolled. (laughs) Like when Andy Kaufman agreed to be the musical guest on uh, SNL, what he promised was he would do his flawless impersonation of Elvis. Instead, he got up and did the Mighty Mouse thing, (laughs) which just so happened to also kill.
0: Andy, bruh.
1: (laughs) So George Shapiro is the guy who got him on SNL, but George Shapiro also got him on another television show that you guys may or may not be familiar with by the name of Taxi. Nope. You guys aren't Never. familiar with Taxi at all? Taxi was one of those uh, American sitcoms that came out around the same time as Cheers and um It's kind of things, feel good, Dan. Yeah, kind of like a feel good group of people getting together. It it was if Seinfeld was the ending, Taxi was around the beginning. Okay. So, <laughs> uh it had some pretty f- some pretty famous names on it. Uh Christopher Lloyd was on it. He played <laughs> uh Reverend Jim Iggy. Um it also had Carol Kane on it. Carol Kane is uh pretty famous. Uh she's known for uh if you guys saw Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, she was the uh drama teacher. If you guys saw um if you guys saw any of the Kimmy Schmidt shows, she's Kimmy Schmidt's older roommate.
2: Yes. yes 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 that's carol lane pretty pretty okay famous. okay she so wait so wait, i saw a little bit of kimmy schmidt okay uh is she the mom the rich mom she
1: is the old lady
2: the old lady there's a few old. Ladies. okay so so
1: do you remember kimmy schmidt how there was the uh like gentrification plot line where it was like the town's going
2: to shit. Oh, so she's the she's the one who wants to blow herself up. She's the one the... who wants
1: to blow herself up. You got it.
2: Gotcha. Huh. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's her. She's awesome. <laughs>
1: Among other people on the show, the uh, character of Louis De Palma uh, was played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> and finally, the man of the hour... Uh, Lotka Gravas was Andy Kaufman. Lotka was written for the character of the foreign man. So this now famous character that he's created, Lotka was the foreign man. They finally had put a name to it. And Lotka was the, like, lovable oof who, like, messed everything up. He was known before Fonzie was Fonzie, or I guess while Fonzie was Fonzie. This character was known as the Fonz. Which was just like the lovable character who never got anything right, but was the comedic relief. Okay. So, so George Shapiro says, I want you to take this job on Taxi. But at the same time, uh, Andy Kaufman is like, no, like, I want to do my own stuff. I want to write my own stuff. I don't want to do sitcom. I don't want to get involved in all this. Like, this is my art form. I'm not doing this as a career. And he goes, "Come on! They wrote this character for your foreign man. Like, what is it gonna take?" And Andy Kaufman goes, "Okay." And he comes up with a list of requests. (laughs) This this list of requests basically includes uh, thirty minutes of meditation time before and after shooting that they have to wait for Andy Kaufman, who is this like little side character. He wants a special on the television network uh abc he wants an abc special that is andy kaufman all the way through andy kaufman gets to do whatever he wants on this tv special Mm -hmm. and finally he wants four um appearances made by a man who he says um he owes by the name of tony clifton everybody's like who the hell is tony clifton what 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 is tony clifton he goes, Tony Clifton is this, uh, he's this Las Vegas lounge singer. He's a real wreck. But him and I got into shits because I did an impersonation of him once. And he didn't take it very fondly. So him and I are not on good speaking terms. And George Shapiro goes to the executives and they're like, these are his requests. And the executives basically go, go find out who uh, this Tony Clifton guy is. And then we'll talk. So George Shapiro goes out and finds a show where Tony Clifton is performing. And he's this like Las Vegas lounge singer. He gets on stage singing, uh, of course, like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. He's not singing any original songs. He's but halfway through, halfway through his first song, he tells the entire audience, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm singing, <laughs> I'm singing. You don't get to talk while I'm singing. And then at the same time, an audience member, like, gets up to leave, and he goes, where are you going? And he goes out in the audience, he's like, where do you think you're going? And he's got, like, this, like, thick accent, where he's like, where do you think you're going? And he's like, this old man. He picks up a glass, he pours it on top of the guy's head, he's like, there, now you have a reason to leave, now you can leave, and the whole audience has turned against him. And George Shapiro's like, what the hell? How am I gonna get this guy on TV? Like, how am I gonna get the executives to agree to this? And, uh, At the same time, Tony Clifton gets back up on stage and goes, George Shapiro, I'll see you backstage, all right? I see you, old man, you old balding man. I'll see you backstage. Uh So George Shapiro, after the show, goes backstage, and he's like, all right, Tony, what do you want? Tony takes off these giant sunglasses he's wearing, and it's fucking Andy Kaufman. (laughs) (laughs) Huh? Andy Kaufman is fucking Tony Clifton. He puts on this all this makeup, and it looks like a different guy. It looks like an old, trying-to-stay-relevant Vegas lounge singer. And he goes, I think we really got a great reaction out of the audience tonight. <laughs> 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 and George Shapiro is like, George Shapiro's like, What do you mean you got a great reaction? One of the guys you doused in water, and he left. And that guy comes around the corner and goes, it was a really great show tonight, Andy. I really think we got a reaction out of him
2: tonight. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That Jeez. guy's name was
1: that guy's name was Bob Zumda. Z U Z M U D A. Bob Zumda. Okay. And Bob was Andy Kaufman's writer who Basically, before there was YouTube and before there was, it's just a prank, bro. These two were the original, it's just a prank, bros.
0: <laughs> but nobody filmed oh, it back then. Oh, God.
1: Nobody <laughs> filmed it back then, so it was all live. So, yeah. all of it was fake. Well,
0: and it's, they,
2: they weren't, like, dicks to random people, though. They, like, were both in on it, which I'm cool with. Yeah.
1: They were dicks to each other. And it was yeah. a performing <laughs> arts show is what it was. People thought they were going to see this old washed up lounge singer. And instead they watched this old washed up lounge singer go the fuck off and be just intolerable. <laughs> Andy Kaufman said about uh, when asked like why he did this, he said that Tony Clifton was the bad guy. There always has to be a bad guy. And he didn't want to be Andy Kaufman. So it had to be Tony Clifton. Right. Right. So, learning this, George <laughs> Shapiro goes back to the executives at ABC and they're like, sign him on because George, like, Ant, like, Tony Clifton is Andy Kaufman. We get two Andy Kaufmans for the price of one. You just want one character? You're getting a second character out of Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. which sounds like great until they finally have the day where uh, Tony Clifton shows up on set. And Tony Clifton is an asshole. Tony Clifton's, like, (laughs) flirting with all the random extras and, like, causing a big scene. He throws a glass of water on Christopher Lloyd and, like, Uh is, like, yelling at Christopher Lloyd. And the uh, director and the, the producer of Taxi is like, we have to fire this guy. Like, I don't give a fuck who this guy knows. We have to fire him. So George Shapiro, now in on it, is like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. You have to fire him but let's let's call andy and just let's talk to andy and and we'll let him know that we're firing george clifton and so they call up right so they so on stage they call up andy kaufman Mm -hmm. and andy kaufman answers the phone and he's like hey what can i do for you and they're like sorry andy we have to fire tony and they're like, oh, he's he's gonna take it really rough, but I guess do what you have to do. In the meantime, Andy Clifton still in his or Andy uh, Kaufman still in his Tony Clifton like regalia is celebrating because that's exactly what he wanted. That was the reaction he wanted. He was doing all this nice. on the fucking producers. He was getting back at them for making him do sitcom. He didn't want to do it. This was how he got back. <laughs> he tortured them with this character that he came up with. Jeez,
0: there's 4D oh, chess going on God. here. I can't, I like, give up with it. Dude,
2: <laughs>
1: Andy Kaufman was... It's so good. ...the king of 4D chess.
2: Oh, my gosh. So,
1: <laughs> while Andy Kaufman's finally getting his gripping, um, almost in a different life, but at the same time, Jim Carrey is working the... Uh, entertainment kind of strut walk where he has to go to all of these comedy bars and do all this stuff he got turned down on his audition for snl he they they told him no because all he did was impressions but jim carrey said he knew he wasn't gonna get it because the day he went to audition an nbc uh executive was standing up on the giant nbc sign getting ready to jump and like oh commit shit. suicide and he looked at that situation happening and Jim Carrey said, I'm not going to get this. He said, this is a bad yeah. omen. I'm not going to get it. He said, nobody got hurt that day, but he knew like going into it, this wasn't going to work out. Um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim Carrey goes back to, uh, back to Canada and he ends up being discovered on, um, on a new show coming out called uh, In Living Color. Which I, I believe you guys have heard about.
2: Right? Yep. Yes, we talked a little bit about it on your uh your SNL episode. Yes, yeah.
1: we did. For those of those of you who missed, do one you, you guys want to update them on uh kind of what in, in Living Color was?
2: Uh I'm not gonna I can give like a very baseline one, but I'm not super confident in my description of it. That's fine it's, by me. Uh, yeah, correct correct me wherever I'm wrong. Uh call me dumb whatever, I don't know in uh, living color as far as I remember it was a sketch comedy show very similar to um, SNL mm-hmm. where they put a lot more focus into uh, into black sketch comedians yep um, as like and they purposefully did that as a contrast to things like Saturday Night Live because their casts were mostly white Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: yeah, no, good to you, me.
2: and yeah, you nailed it. Okay, that. yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, and they, but they also did feature like people like Jim Carrey and some of his. Uh, oh God, yeah, he had. Uh, who's that uh, character he had? That recurring character he had on In Living Color, that was like. He was. Let me
1: tell you something. It's Fire Marshal Bill.
2: I'm glad that <laughs> Fire Marshal Bill. I'm
1: glad that you brought him up <laughs> because you remember the story that I originally told you about Jim Carrey. And how he did this impersonation of his grandfather to his father to make him laugh. Yeah, that's the same character. Is it really that he has gone on <laughs> record and saying like this is how I came up with this character?
0: Makes sense. That's
2: incredible. That's oh, saw your <laughs> Let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> so already, just to kind of tie comparisons, um, Andy Kaufman did not have a good relationship with his father. Like, his father thought he was a weird kid who performed upstairs in his bedroom and kind of went against all things that made you a man back in that day. On the other end of the spectrum, Jim Carrey's father was super supportive of him because he got it. So there's a little bit of a, a difference there. But Jim still kind of drew a connection. There was some there was some string that was pulling together the lives of Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey. Um so from 1990 to 1994, Jim Carrey was a regular cast member on In Living Color, um, and it was In Living Color that kind of launched Jim Carrey into the stratosphere of stardom. Uh, just off the top of your heads, name a Jim Carrey film, both of you.
0: Mask. Uh,
2: I, <laughs> uh, Bruce Almighty. Uh, just one. I don't know why. I was going to say 50 first dates. <laughs> nope.
1: Nope. <laughs> okay, so uh, The Mask...
0: Which you all should be wearing, by the way. Yeah, that's a classic.
1: (laughs) Which you all should be wearing, by the way. Um, Ace Ace Ventura is another one that people kind of... (laughs) Yep. The first breakout hits for Jim Carrey were... There were three breakout hits. It was Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, and, of course, The Mask. Mm -hmm. Later on, we Mm -hmm. would see uh, what you mentioned, uh, Michael Bruce Almighty, and uh, The Truman Show, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both, Another both pretty, film. both pretty important. Um, but it was at this point where Jim Carrey had kind of pulled in Andy Kaufman again, talking on the like metaphor of Russian doll, like Russian nesting dolls. There was Jim Carrey inside of Jim, Car- like outside of Jim Carrey. There was a second Russian nesting doll that had become this stage presence of Jim Carrey. That when you think of Jim Carrey, that's who you think of.
2: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
1: Which is this, like, over-the-top, kind of mask-esque character that's, like, all over the place, his face contorts into weird shapes, he's, like, loud, and he goes, Alrighty then! Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The kind of style that Jim Carrey went with, he said that uh, he was trying to figure out what people wanted. He said... Like that was the question he kept asking people, or like kept asking himself as he was thinking about comedy. Like, what did people want from him? And mm. he finally settled on, uh, they want to be free from concern. That's what all people want. They want to not mm. be concerned. And he decided that the character that he was gonna portray himself as was the man without concern.
2: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Little did he know that
1: man already existed, and his name was Andy Kaufman. (laughs) Yeah. If there was a man without concern, Andy Kaufman was that man. But You're not wrong. But Jim Carrey took it in a different direction. Instead of being unconcerned with what people thought of him, he was unconcerned about people. He didn't care what you had going on that's why he asked how's everybody doing tonight and then immediately followed with "Alrighty righty then he didn't give them time to answer because <laughs> he didn't care he wasn't concerned about how you were doing he was there to do his <laughs> act which was mostly physical comedy um and those are the characters we see in those first uh three big films the dumb and dumber the ace ventura and most importantly the mask that kind of i'm not concerned uh, attitude that he portrayed is what landed him them ro- those roles mm-hmm. and it, it's great that it did too because in those three films he made himself a household name but uh for the mask he he said that three months after the mask released and finally he was like i made it he hit the the 10 million dollar uh, threshold that he set for himself because he he famously wrote himself a check for 10 million dollars Like, that's what Jim Carrey's known for. When he wasn't famous, he wrote himself a blank check for $10 million, and he said, one day, I'm going to be able to cash this. (laughs) He hit that $10 million mark that he wanted to hit on the mask, and the mask premiered three months after the mask premiered, his father died.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So his father got to see him become everything he wanted to be. And then he died. Uh, Jim Carrey folded up that $10 million check and stuck it in his father's jacket pocket. And his father was buried with that $10 million check. Because (laughs) his father was the reason he was able to make it in the first place. Symbolic. Kind of symbolic, right? So after these three films, um, Jim Carrey's riding high and he gets offered a job. Uh, the job is for a biopic that's coming out, and it's called Man on the Moon. It was in 1999, kind of coming off the fall of uh, of The Mask. Mm-hmm. It was the story of Andy Kaufman. And Jim Carrey was going to be playing the role of Andy Kaufman. Okay. The weird thing was is that Andy Kaufman wasn't... Or not Andy Kaufman, but Jim Carrey wasn't just given the role. For the first time in years, they made Jim Carrey audition, and he was nervous about yeah. it. So Jim Carrey, yeah. who has called himself this, like, master of impersonations, he thinks it's going to be easy to impersonate, like, Andy Kaufman, just another guy. Um, He finds out that he gets the role, and he said Andy Kaufman... He, he basically was... He said he was sitting on a beach, and he found out that he got the role. And he said, I need to start thinking like Andy Kaufman. Uh, At the time, he had gotten into a uh, kind of weird pseudoscience uh, called telepathy.
2: Yes, I heard (laughs) that. You guys
1: kind of know what telepathy is. Telepathy is this kind of idea that you can allow things to enter your brain. Um, and he said he was going to communicate telepathically through with Andy Kaufman, who had at this point been dead for a while. OK. It was weird. I remember this because yeah. as he's sitting on that beach, he's like, I'm just going to do this for a couple days and just see like how it feels. He said, as he let Andy Kaufman in, about five or six dolphins rose to the surface and started jumping. He was like, that's when I knew I had gotten into some
0: shit. That's a weird coincidence. I don't know. If it's- <laughs> he said
1: that moment felt like Andy Kaufman tapped him on the shoulder and said, I got this. I'm going to make my movie. Not you. <laughs> he said, all due respect, Jim, I'm going to make this movie. And at that point, Jim Carrey became Andy Kaufman.
2: Like embodiment, flesh and blood. Like, to his knowledge,
1: <laughs> he became Andy Kaufman. But there's more we need to know about Andy Kaufman before we start getting into what happened next. Um, kind of continuing the storyline of the movie Man on the Moon, um, Andy Kaufman had gotten his kind of role on Taxi and had been playing it for a while when he decided he wanted to do something else. Hmm. So after sitting with uh with bob zoomda and he kind of talking about what their next big thing was going to be um andy decided he wanted to be a professional wrestler he's like that's my next thing <laughs> okay And bob was like look at you like he looked like a jim carrey type he's like look at you those guys are huge they're built you could never be one of those people They will, like, kill you out there. And he decided that he was just going to fight someone his own size and started antagonizing women. Hmm. So he started wrestling women. Hmm. Uh, the The first time he did this was on live TV. He offered a woman, he said, anybody in the audience, I'll give you $500 if you can beat me. Uh, because like I respect women I know that they have their place like in the kitchen and they're better with the babies and the cooking and the cleaning but other than that they're not superior to men and women like were outraged because of course they were
0: yeah (laughs) he'd be saying that shit what the hell
2: right so a a woman could could you imagine that going like that happening today
0: (laughs) he'd be canceled it would go
1: it would go exactly how it went here which oh really yes okay (laughs) uh so there was a woman named Lynn in the audience who decided to get up and go fight Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, of course, pinned her and beat her. But she got some, like, she got some swag for being on the show. So she got, like, a Red Lobster gift card. She had to go backstage, get, like, some <laughs> turtle wax or whatever you got for being on this show. Um,
2: she got a hold of all those butter biscuits. Andy
1: Kaufman grabs her backstage and goes, hey, thank you so much. You did a, you did a great job. She was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're an asshole. He's like, no, 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 I'm not an asshole. This was an act. This was all planned. Like, this is all just a part of this, like, this, this, like, giant thing I have planned. She goes, you're not really an asshole? And he goes, no, let me prove it to you. I'll take you to dinner. And they started dating.
0: <laughs> That's a bizarre way to pick up a woman.
2: <laughs> literally picking
1: well, he up He probably a
0: woman. had to literally pick yeah. her up. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Pickup artist, if you will
1: so while while doing this andy kaufman who has signed a five-year uh contract to be on the show taxi um basically finds out that he like still has a couple months in it and they've signed him up to do this live show right so andy kaufman basically gets up on stage and the audience is going crazy but they're like do Latka, do Latka, do the guy from taxi who we all love. Mm-hmm. Like do the do the voice like do the do the foreign man. <laughs> do the roar. Like, do the mighty do the mighty mouse record. <laughs> and Andy Kaufman's like mm. no, stop. Like please stop. And finally Andy gets so upset because he doesn't feel like he's doing art anymore that he goes backstage and he goes, "Give me the book." And Bob's like, "No, don't do it." And he's like, "No, they deserve this." So, he takes out The Great Gatsby and starts reading it aloud.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: He reads The Great Gatsby. He reads all of chapter 1, all of chapter 2 and everybody's like, "Come on, stop." And they're like booing him. He's like, "Fine. Do you want to hear the Do you want to hear the record? Do you want to hear the Everybody's like, "Yeah, do the record. Do the record." He turns on the record player and chapter 3 of The Great Gatsby starts playing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You fucker. (laughs) And
1: when it ends, he keeps reading. He read all of the great Gatsby from start to finish in this one show. Everybody either got up and left or fell asleep. But that's what he did for this live show that he was contractually obligated to do.
2: Great. Oh, that's incredible. And NBC is
1: pissed. Or ABC is pissed. They, like, can't do anything about it, of course, because he's so like caught up in this taxi show that they just like can't get rid of him at this point. Hmm. So they keep him on but eventually taxi gets canceled and when it gets canceled they're like what do we do next? And Andy Kaufman decides to delve deeper into this professional wrestler thing and really play <laughs> the villain angle up. So
2: mm, he was a heel.
1: Yeah, he starts the intergender wrestling championship, which basically is like, why can't women fight men? If women are as good as men, women should be able to wrestle men.
0: It's a good point. He,
1: he beats everybody, every woman who go, he goes up against. And at the same time, he is making fun of professional wrestling, making <laughs> fun of people who like professional wrestling, saying like, oh, you're a bunch of hicks, you're a bunch of hillbillies, like all you need to like uh, go shower and you're gross and you procreate with your sisters and like yelling all this stuff to the audience. Um, and finally attracts the attention of a actual professional wrestler a uh actually a like belt holder by the name of Jerry Lawler never heard of him Jerry Jerry Lawler is this giant dude he uh he's a, a heavyweight champion is what he is he won the uh the world heavyweight champion he won the WCWA world heavyweight champion he was the four-time world champion winner of professional wrestling
0: big beefy mm. man he is yeah.
1: a big old beefcake. Uh, and he now is like, You're making a mockery out of this thing that I love, this sport that I love. So I trained this woman to come and fight you. And Andy Kaufman beats her hmm. and then starts talking shit to Jerry Lawler there on live television. So Jerry, uh, after after beating this woman andy kaufman refuses to get off of her so jerry lawler comes on picks him up and suplexes him like down onto the ground to get him off of this woman that uh he had trained to fight andy kaufman Mm -hmm. and andy's like i'll sue you i'll sue you like i didn't agree to wrestle you i'll sue you like at the yeah yeah at the same time jerry lawler's like we're not doing this here if you want to fight me we'll do it in a ring you versus me like in real life we'll do it (laughs)
0: like 1v1 me and rust come on (laughs) and
1: and andy kaufman never afraid to take on a challenge says yes like despite george shapiro (laughs) like begging him not to despite uh like bob begging him not to despite his now girlfriend lynn begging him not to gonna get slapped he does it anyway. <laughs> so he goes up on stage and Talk he gets shit, knocked out. Get hit. <laughs> he gets knocked out and then um, the uh, the professional wrestler Jerry Lawler uses an illegal move called the the, the pile driver, which is where you yeah. pick them up upside down, you put their head between your legs and then you slam their legs into it. So Andy Kaufman technically wins because uh, Lawler used an illegal move. Okay. But Andy Kaufman breaks his neck ouch so next time we see Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler together they're on the late night show with David Letterman and (laughs) they're like talking it out and Andy Kaufman on the show starts running his mouth and he's like my dad says I could have sued you like I could have taken you for all your money but like I didn't I, I let you go I like didn't hold this over you I didn't press charges the least you could do is say you're sorry to me and Jerry Lawler's like I'm not gonna say I'm sorry to you so uh Andy Kaufman kind of gets into like the, you're a hick, you're a hillbilly, you need to like use soap, you need to use toilet paper, you need to do this, you need to do that.
0: Gotta cut it out, and- man.
1: Jerry Lawler gets up and smacks the shit out of him. Knocks him out of his fucking chair. So he gets up and he runs across the stage and he's cussing. He's like, fuck you, I'll sue you. I'll sue you. You piece of shit, I'll sue you. Like, Andy Kaufman's going nuts. He picks up David Letterman's hot cup of coffee and throws it on Jerry Lawler. And everybody's like, Andy Kaufman's never coming back from this. Like, this is the end for him he has ruined his career by fighting all these women and making himself the villain and getting on live tv and acting like this um george george shapiro sits down with andy kaufman and is like hey what you did you took it too far but at the same meeting who's sitting next to andy kaufman but jerry lawler who's like i'm sorry we just both thought this was all really funny so the whole thing was faked from the beginning, <laughs> this was all faked. From professionally wrestling women, all of it was planned out so that Jerry Lawler got on live television with Andy Kaufman and started this beef with him. All of it was fake. All Jeez. of it was a giant act set up by Andy Kaufman.
0: <laughs> Crazy.
2: <laughs> oh, that's, just, that's great dedication. Oh, yeah.
0: Commitment to the bit.
1: <laughs> Extremely commit to the bit. So... After that, um, I mean. The-
2: so wait, so so wait, real, real quick. Go ahead. Was his neck injury actually real? It's
0: fake. Okay.
1: They <laughs> he he got rushed out in an ambulance and taken to the hospital. All of it was fake.
0: Have oh <laughs> fun paying for the bill.
1: <laughs> he didn't care. Uh, when asked how he paid for everything, he said Tony Clifton covered it.
0: Which I so mean, who knows in,
1: what the fuck that means? Like he
0: yeah. did in a way, uh, pay for it, I guess. But who
1: knows? This whole time, Andy Kaufman has this dream. He uh, wants to play Carnegie Hall. He's like, that's that's my dream. I want to book Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, like his career is now in shambles, and after like trying a couple of comedy like famous comedy places like the improv or like the comedy store, um Andy Kaufman finds out that he has a rare form of lung cancer and that there's mm-hmm. nothing they could do about it. Oof. And that he's gonna die soon. And he tries fighting it for a while, um, but eventually just like succumbs to it and mm-hmm. goes, I'm gonna do one more show and I'm gonna book Carnegie Hall. And it's gonna be amazing. And everyone's like How are you going to pay for it? And he looks at them and he goes, I think Tony Clifton will cover it. (laughs) He says, I think Tony Clifton, if he has to, will work for the next 10 years to cover this. Knowing damn good and well, he was going to be dead in like a year. (laughs) What are
0: you going to do? Collect that from a dead man?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Find me. So, So... he books Carnegie Hall and he performs at Carnegie Hall. One of his, uh, performances includes this like old black and white movie that had all these dancers from and he's like we have a great guest here tonight we still have now 94 years old one of these women who like dressed as a horse and marched around and he's like hey can you do a little act for us and he has like a full band playing the song that she danced to she's like oh i don't know and they bring <laughs> out her like costume and they like put it on her and they're like come on dance and she like starts dancing and then andy kaufman steals the uh conductors stick away from him and starts conducting them faster and they're going (laughs) faster and faster and the old woman's dancing faster and faster until she grabs onto her chest and collapses onto the ground and like the entire place goes silent and they're like uh is there a doctor is there a doctor and some random dude from the audience comes running up and like she's dead like she died on stage and Andy Kaufman killed her and like the whole audience is just sitting there now with this dead body, like, laying in front of them. Great bit. And, and Andy Kaufman just, like, tries his best to get off stage, and everyone's freaking out, and, like, Bob's on stage, like, trying to figure out what to do next, yelling, like, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. And uh, Andy Kaufman comes back out with an Indian headdress on, chanting... And the old woman stands up and she's alive. Oh, Jesus.
4: <laughs>
1: and uh, not only that, but he gestures behind him, and the New York Boys Choir are all there now singing Hallelujah <laughs> in perfect harmony. <laughs> and then. So it- and
2: then, go ahead. Go ahead. The
1: Rockettes come out, and the Rockettes are oh my there. God. The actual Rockettes are dancing to Hallelujah. And just do you think that's all, what he a goes, show. "Oh my God! Oh my God! It's Santa!" And Santa gets lowered in. <laughs> he's in his sleigh, and he's handing out gifts to everyone. And Andy Kaufman goes. You all have been such a great audience. I want I want to give you all milk and cookies and then the whole audience gets shuttled onto buses and take it to a cafeteria where Andy Kaufman gives everybody in the audience milk and cookies.
2: Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeez.
1: What? His
2: whole thing, his whole thing is like taking something that someone would do for a gag. And just amplifying it times like a hundred.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It's committing to the bit and then just sticking with it for a little too long.
1: (laughs) So Man in the Moon, which is a biopic of uh, Andy Kaufman's life, Mm -hmm. um, ends with the death of Andy Kaufman, right? So Andy Mm -hmm. Kaufman dies. They have his funeral. And uh, that's kind of it, more or less jim carrey casted in this role uh he on set says that andy kaufman possessed him and it's up for speculation whether or not um jim carrey was just being an asshole or jim carrey was
2: truly truly being a method actor or he was method (laughs)
1: acting or if somehow andy kaufman possessed jim carrey but there are a couple of things I want to talk about, and I'll try to make it brief because we're starting to run on time, but um some things to kind of note. Jim Carrey refused to be called Jim Carrey on set. If somebody said hey Jim, they'd be like, Oh, Jim's not here. I'm I'm Andy. Like Andy Coffin's here. Like, did you mean me? Like, I'll do this? When you said when you said Andy'll do this, you meant me, right? Um And he's doing like a perfect impersonation because, of course, it's Jim Carrey, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: But it goes further than that because like he gets in an act. So they bring Jerry Lawler, the professional wrestler, back to play himself. Jim Carrey gets in several fights with Jim, with Jerry (laughs) Lawler to the point where Jerry Lawler kicks Jim Carrey's ass at one point. It's it's (laughs) national news that Jerry Lawler has like has injured Jim Carrey because he punched the Mm -hmm. shit out of him because (laughs) he was antagonizing him the whole time like andy kaufman would have yep um and at the same time like uh jim carrey was showing up dressed as uh as tony clifton and being an asshole on set and when they filmed scenes of jim carrey as tony clifton tony clifton had to do his parts Jim Carrey, like as Andy Kaufman, would be like, I'm glad that I get off tomorrow because tomorrow Tony Clifton has to come in. And now you're seeing the Russian <laughs> nesting dolls coming together. Because at the end yeah, of the day, at the end of the day, we're left with Tony Clifton, open him up. It's Jim Carrey. Open or no, it's Andy Kaufman, open it up. It's Jim Carrey. Open it up. It's Andy Kaufman. Open it up. It's Tony Clifton. Open it up. It's Andy Kaufman again. Open it up. It's Andy Kaufman as a child. This character who nobody knew because he had played a persona for so long as Andy Kaufman. This character who was like this funny guy who no one could expect anything from that he never got to be himself. Hmm. And Jim Carrey says the same thing. He had his own Russian nesting doll because while there was Jim Carrey that everyone knew from like the mask and all this like he was the wild crazy funny guy who like was super high energy there was the real jim carrey who was quiet and wanted to be alone and solemn and trying to find himself what uh there's a there's an interview during the uh documentary um jim and andy which is about the making of man on the moon um that there's this moment where they're filming Jim Carrey dressed as Andy Kaufman doing his Andy Kaufman impersonation and he's Andy Kaufman starts talking about Jim Carrey and he's like, I think Jim Carrey's just scared. I think that uh, Jim Carrey's afraid that uh, he maybe uh, he, he got too, too big, too quick and that he's reached the end of his rope and that people are going to be disappointed with him and people are going to be disappointed with the way that he acts and what he brings and that, He's kind of washed up at this point. I think Jim Carrey really struggles with that, and he struggles with disappointing people. And (laughs) it's Jim Carrey talking about himself, but he feels liberated to do that because he's Andy Kaufman.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, if I I may do a little throwback here, it's like when Mr. Rogers talks like Daniel Tiger. He's really talking about himself, but he's using Mm -hmm. a puppet to talk about himself so that he doesn't have to talk about himself. Kind of like a right. proxy, I guess. Yeah.
1: People on set who... Because they brought back... If you look at the IMDb page for Man on the Moon, they brought back a lot of people to play themselves, including like mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Lloyd came back to play himself, and <laughs> Danny DeVito came back, but he played George Shapiro this time, so he wasn't playing himself. But um, um, that one girl who I had mentioned before came back to play herself, whose name I now cannot remember um carol king but all these people carol king came back yeah all these people came back to play themselves again and they said that working with jim was working with andy they said this is exact like weirdly this is it uh there was another moment where Mm -hmm. uh jim carrey was in costuming And who the guy playing Jim Carrey's dad said, I'm going all in, or the guy who was playing Andy Kaufman's dad said, I'm going all in, went in while he was getting his makeup done and started having an argument with Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. And it made one of the makeup artists cry because she was like, it was me. And I saw me and my dad. That was me and my dad that I just watched. That was exactly right. (laughs) And Hmm. there was a moment where, um, like Andy Kaufman showed up for his first day of filming and crashed like this beautiful antique car into the side of a studio and then yelled at everybody <laughs> for getting in his way. And it was Jim Carrey as Tony Clifton. Um, It was just so, there's so much. It's definitely worth a watch, which is kind of what I was getting at is that you need to watch both these things and kind of delve into this giant Easter basket of uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's so many eggs to unravel and see what's inside. Um, But some kind of more heartfelt moments included Andy Kaufman's daughter came to set one day, uh, who never met Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman had her before he was famous and never found out about her. But (laughs) she came to set, and while method acting, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman talked to his daughter. And his daughter was like, this feels genuine. Like, this feels like how I imagine my dad would have been, like this feels like Andy Kaufman and that's fine. Cause you never met him, but even weirder, Andy Kaufman's parents came to set and Andy Kaufman's uh, sister and brother came to set and they spent the day with Jim Carrey and like took him out to lunch and they were like, he's back like Andy Kaufman's back. He was like saying stuff that only Andy Kaufman would say. And like, had inside jokes that only Andy Kaufman would know, and Hmm. his dad was like, this is my son. Jeez. It was weird. Yeah. So... Huh, yeah. I mean, the mystery of... I'll tell one more kind of funny thing just before we close, and I kind of get to my closing points, but also Jim Carrey dressed up as uh, Tony Clifton, and... Well, I'll tell you th- how the movie ends. So, Man on the Moon, they go to Andy Kaufman's funeral, and a show plays, and then it strikes to a year later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Kaufman is on a marquee again. They say, Andy Kaufman's playing here tonight, and everybody's like... Because for this year, they're like, is Andy Kaufman really dead? Because, like, what can you believe? His family didn't even believe he had lung cancer (laughs) because they were at a Hollywood (laughs) hospital where they filmed Hollywood movies, and they were like, this isn't real. He's doing it again. Andy Kaufman's on the marquee, and who walks on stage but Tony Clifton? And everybody's like, let's go. Yeah, Andy, you're back. You're back. And Tony Clifton performs. And at the end of the movie, because, you know, it's an unreliable narrator, uh, they kind of go out to the audience and they show everybody who uh, Andy Kaufman was involved with. Um, But most importantly, they show Bob Zumda. And the reason they do this is because earlier in the movie, um, this comedy club books Andy Kaufman And Andy Kaufman says he can't make it, but Tony Clifton can. And they're like, if you book this, you're getting Tony. Don't expect Andy. You're getting Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony Clifton shows up and starts performing. Halfway through Tony Clifton's performance, Andy Kaufman walks out on stage. And everybody's like... More importantly, George Shapiro is like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) turns out bob can do a perfect tony clifton impersonation ah
2: <laughs> nice.
1: so at the end of man on the moon when you're watching tony clifton perform on stage a year after andy kaufman has died you're like oh bob's up there doing a tribute show but then sitting in the audience is bob confusion so then you're just left wondering Is Andy Kaufman still alive?
0: Yeah, just like a Walt Disney Elvis type thing.
1: But the weird thing is, nobody knows. And Andy Kaufman went on record saying like, I I don't know what else I'm going to do. I can't keep surprising the audience because next to burning down the theater and faking my own death, I don't know what to throw at them that they won't expect. (laughs) Nobody knows if this isn't just Andy Kaufman's biggest goof he's ever pulled. Nobody knows. And we still don't know. But going back to the story that I was telling, um, Jim Carrey got invited to the Playboy Mansion. And Tony Clifton showed up. But it was Bob Zumda dressed up as Tony Clifton playing Jim Carrey at the Playboy Mansion. Huh. Because Jim Carrey's manager said he won't break characters Andy Kaufman right now, so he's going to show up as Tony Clifton, but that's Jim Carrey. And when I say Bob Zumda, I don't mean the guy who played Bob Zumda who was Paul Giamatti. I mean, real life, Bob Zumda dressed up again as Tony Clifton and got into the Playboy Mansion because Jim Carrey led him.
0: It's too many layers deep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we're, we're reaching a point of just like, I gotta come up for air. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can't follow. He's playing
0: this person, who's also this person, but is actually this person, so... Oh, God. <laughs> it's Guys, too many you led, layers me, of
1: you led me right into my closing, which is... Jesus, man. What Andy Kaufman realized, and how he lived his life, is exactly what playing this part made Jim Carrey realize, which is... I am whoever I say I am.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm jim carrey this crazy comedian who does all of these voices and whatever then that's who people believe that i am Mm -hmm. even if i'm this quiet guy who just wants to sit at home and paint that's not who jim carrey is and andy kaufman realized if i don't want to be andy kaufman i can be a foreign man and if i don't want to be a foreign man or andy kaufman i can be tony clifton and people will believe it and if i say tony clifton's gonna pay for it and he doesn't that's not andy kaufman's problem. That's Tony Clifton's problem. Jeez. And what you kind of take from it is everybody has these characters that they play. So you shouldn't be surprised when you find out their characters. And it's okay if you realize, like, sometimes I play a character and that's not who I really am. What's important is knowing who you are and realizing that the characters... And the performance, the show, your life, it's all just for fun. And that's how you should look at it. I think Jim Carrey walked away knowing that. Andy Kaufman walked away knowing that. Hell, I think Bob Zumda walked away knowing that. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who met Andy walked away knowing that life is short, so you should just have fun.
0: Yeah. All the world's a stage, as William Shakespeare said. Mm hmm. That's right.
1: so that's what i got that's this week's episode go check out man on the moon go check out jim and andy um watch it in whatever order you want it's uh it's a documentary about making the movie but it's its own story uh and you'll definitely get something out of both
2: yeah it definitely seems like if you watch it like documentary first that it makes the actual movie a lot creepier (laughs) I don't know. maybe
1: uh, i think i enjoyed the movie more after watching it after watching the documentary i rewatched the movie oh yeah
2: yeah i'm i'm not saying that as a detractor i'm saying that as like a like an enhancement to the experience mm-hmm.
0: yeah you gotta make a sandwich out of it you gotta put the right. put the documentary first then put the biopic then do the documentary again and
1: get a piece of paper out in front of you and see if you can complete this russian nesting doll that i bought and see who ends up on the outside because i'm curious <laughs> I Who's think those on the are outside called, of all this?
0: They're called Petrushka dolls, aren't they?
1: Russian nesting dolls? I think they have multiple names. But I think the, the biggest Russian nesting doll is probably Tony Clifton.
0: Or is it Andy Kaufman <laughs> yeah. playing uh, well, Tony Well, Andy Clifton. Kaufman would
1: be inside the Tony. You know what? Let's go to break. When we okay. get back to <laughs> quick, this, <laughs> quick this, my last week's guest, uh, Steve Rice MD. Uh, see y'all when we get back. Back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Steve Price, MD, our guest from last week, who took us on a bourbon odyssey, if you would. Uh, I know that I know that uh, leading up to this moment in the episode, everything's been so great and prepared, and I'm I'm so good at preparing episodes, and this totally wasn't recorded the week before my episode. Uh, so we're back. I swear, this is the same same time. Okay, stop shaking your head. Uh, but. <laughs> We're welcoming Steve back into the "quote unquote" studio. Um, he's going to do our quick this this week. So I'll throw it over to you Steve. What okay. We
3: talking We're talking about Ren and Stimpy. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows Ren and Stimpy, right? Or if you haven't oh, you yeah. need if you ha- don't know Ren and Stimpy, you need to go figure out who Ren and Stimpy are. I'll never forget the first time I saw the Ren and Stimpy cartoon. Um uh, my oldest son whose name is Jake, uh, who's now 28 years old, was sitting watching Nickelodeon one evening, and I don't recall what show he was watching, but as that show was ending and I was getting ready to get him ready for bed, a show followed that, which really caught my attention. I had never seen anything like it. It was weirdly animated with two characters that, as I'm watching it, I just basically sat down and thought, what am I looking at? I couldn't tell what kind of animals they were. I didn't know what was (laughs) happening, but I thought it was amazing. It was hilarious, it was well-written, it was funny, it was campy at the same time. It, the, uh, the human characters who they threw in there were grotesque and weird, but it was just (laughs) so off the beaten path and strange, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. I grew up as a cartoon kid. Every Saturday morning, you get up and eat your cereal, and you watch Johnny Quest, and you watch the Flintstones, and you watch all of the usual cartoons, but this was unlike anything I'd ever seen, and it was before the days of Adult Swim and things like that. I think it was kind of a groundbreaker, so I think they were one of the first people to kind of do what they did with the weird characters, the strange stories, um, the the two characters basically just hating each other in one episode and then practically married in another one in strange ways. So Ren & Stimpy kind of it 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 was something that I came to really love and enjoy and back then I would take my old VCR recorder and set it to record new episodes. And the first couple of seasons were I think just pure gold. Um, As the um, series started to age, the the final series, um, I think seasons three and four, uh, there were different personnel. Um, It was still good, but maybe not quite as as good as it was in the first two seasons, and recently... um, Everybody knows I'm into Ren and Stimpy. I even have a Ren and Stimpy cell, one of the original cells on the uh, on the wall oh, of wow. my office from an episode called uh, mm-hmm. Stimpy's Fan Club, one of my favorites. And uh, <laughs> a- a- Anyway, everybody knows I'm a big fan, and someone asked me last year, hey, did you know there's a Netflix special uh, about the Ren and Stimpy show? And I had not seen it yet. So just a few months ago, I finally saw that for the first time and got some more of the behind-the-scenes story. Of uh, how it worked itself out, how it ended up getting canceled because Nickelodeon thought it was it was too risque. They were trying to draw to sex- characters that were too sexy, and um, that the stories were a little strange, and it eventually got taken off of the air. And there were some um, some behind the scenes things. So if you're if you're into behind the scenes stories, I highly recommend um, going to Netflix and watching uh, the show. It's called Happy Happy Joy Joy: The Ren and Stimpy Story. Um, or if you would rather just experience Ren and Stimpy the way it originally uh, was done, I've, you can go on eBay and buy their DVDs and so forth. But very, uh, very cool stuff, very different. Um, at the time, back in the 80s, uh, a lot of people that I was in medical school and working in research labs with, everybody was into Ren and Stimpy. We'd all talk about the episodes. And I had a Mac computer back then with a, with a program called Kaboom, and I took that, uh, that, that program and programmed all of the sounds on my keyboard, all of the keys on my keyboard, and all of the alert sounds and things that happen on a Mac to different <laughs> moments in the Ren and Stimpy show. Like when I got the alert, uh, it would say, Stimpy, you idiot. I just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was a big fan. I loved it. So, and still to this day, I'm finding new things out. I didn't even know that there was a comic. But there was a comic book based on the episodes and based on the Red and Stimpy stories, and Alex actually brought that to my attention a few years ago. I started collecting those, and have finally gotten them all saved up and enjoy still to this day enjoy opening those up and and looking at those. So, Red and Stimpy. Yeah,
1: those are made by Marvel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is kind of incredible. It, it,
3: I would I would say that it, it kind of having just that weird little off the beaten path, strange little. Um, release was something that helped me kind of blow off stress while I was in medical school and residency and so forth. Just being able to watch something just ridiculous and and just kind of mind-numbing. It, it was enjoyable for me for that reason, and so that's why probably it has such a nostalgic feel. Now as I, I still like mm-hmm. to go back and look at those episodes and still enjoy it to this day.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you, you mentioned collecting comic books. One of the first times that you came down to visit uh, Chloe while we were dating, one of the first things we did was uh, kind of uh, scorn through the different comic book shops around the area where we live looking for uh, those comics. And the one that we found on that day was the Ren and Stimpy uh, Toastman crossover with Spider-Man, yeah, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah, at that store
3: in yeah, Newport. Because- yeah, I had never seen that one before. I mean, that's one that's almost to me. I, I, I would frame that one. That's such a, a cool cover. It was
1: framed when you bought it. Do you remember that? Oh they yeah. They had it framed up on the wall, and you were like that one. And I, I was like, oh, he is big balling. Oh today. yeah,
3: I, I want <laughs> that, that one. The
1: wall. <laughs> yeah. And you have every single one now. Did you finally get that last one that you've been looking for?
3: I, I did. Yeah, I found it on eBay. So I think I've, I finally wow. got them all. So yeah, I've wow, got a full set. That's awesome. Yep.
1: Incredible. Some of them. There was a one that came with a scratch and sniff uh, car. Yeah, yeah, no, that's episode one. Sort of a yeah,
3: that was episode one. It had a a scratch and scratch and sniff of Stimpy's butt, I believe it was.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no thanks. (laughs) That's really awesome. Well, thank you again for for coming back and doing the quick this for us to start off the the month of February. We really appreciate Mm it. Uh, Stick around. Uh, We have new shows coming out every friday um and uh best place where you can find a list of our episodes is on our website that's www.entertainthis.net go up to the top right corner and you will find all of our social media so you can get in contact with us um in case there's anything that you want us to take a look at you can send us messages there or you can email us there uh you can get in contact with uh with us because we're always looking for new things to entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this i said that last week and we really liked it so we brought it back that might be our new closer anyway uh see you guys next week uh goodbye bye bye.
0: this episode of entertain this was written by alex Steele, with additional commentary from nick mustikengas and michael savoyan our theme music, as always, is rushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional transitional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks
4: for listening.